Welcome to another episode of The Worthy Physician. I'm your host, Dr. Sapna Shah-Hawk. Reigniting humanity and your passion for medicine. When we look at a patient and we're treating a patient, we have an assessment and plan. Well, what's your assessment and plan for retirement? What is your goal age at which to retire? And how are you going to get to your golden years? And today I have Cynthia Price, financial planner out of Amarillo, Texas, here to discuss retirement. And why is that such a big deal? And how would that actually fit into burnout? Well, the good thing is that we need to have a plan as far as our retirement. At some point in time, we might want to switch, whether that's at 70 or like my mythal mytha said, it's like a shark. If they quit swimming, they die. Some of us, if we quit working in one way or another, we lose our purpose. But having said that, we really need to look at what is our assessment and plan for our retirement. So Cynthia, we're just going to jump right in. Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate the opportunity. We talked before, and uh, I just really appreciate your your insight. And you're from Texas, and that just sits very near and dear to my heart. It's the middle part of the country. I think we're all uh, in this together. We're in the heartland, right? That is in the heartland. Why is that important to me? It's because it's about people. It's about people and connection, and really getting down to values. What's important to me and as an individual core values. So tell our listeners, why is planning for retirement such a big deal? I'm 41. Why should I be planning for when I'm 71? If you don't create your plan today, then tomorrow will never get here. Or when it does, it'll sneak up on you. And then you're going to be going, oh, man, I wish I had saved some of that money I was making when I was in my 40s so that now I don't have to continue to work because I'm tired of working or I'm ready to go do something else. But maybe that something else doesn't pay as well as what you're doing currently. So we need to look at what retirement means in our future. What do you want to do in the future? You know, at 40, maybe it's at 45. I talked to someone last week. They were ready to retire from their current job at 45, not retire from work, but just do something else. Um, explore different avenues. And I think that's important for all of us. If we're not learning and growing, um, then we do tend to be that shark that's not swimming anymore. Uh, so we might we might die if we're not doing that. So we need to make that plan so that we have some work, something to do in the future. And on average, when do you suggest that individuals start to plan for retirement? The first day they start work. To be honest, that we all are creatures of habit. So when you first you get that first job, maybe it's right out of high school, maybe it's right out of college, or maybe it's once you become a physician or whatever your career path is going to be. But you've got that first job, you're making more money than you ever made. What a perfect time to set that habit of saving. So I think most people think when they set their household budget and what they're doing with their paycheck, they're paying all their bills first. You're making a house payment or a rent. You're making a car payment. You're paying insurance. All those things. We're buying groceries. We're paying for entertainment. But what they always forget is that they need to pay themselves. So number one on anybody's budget should be pay yourself first. Go into savings first. That's the first thing. Because if you don't and you leave savings to the last part, there's nothing left. So if you'll pay yourself first and start that savings, whether it be in a 401k or a savings account or whatever avenue that you want to use to save, 
then you've got that foundation for you and you're creating that habit. I'm always going to pay myself first because it's easier to cut back on everything else, on your entertainment, on your Starbucks coffees that you drink or whatever it may be where you're spending money that could go into your your pocket for your future. So if you'll start that at the beginning, then you'll create a, a habit for a lifetime. And you'll have something for the future. No, I think you're right. Because even if it's $5 a paycheck, that does add up because of compound interest. And that's one thing I wish I would have done when I did start my first job in college is I did save, but I wish I would have invested it. It was just not really on my radar until later in life, in, in my 20s. Right. I guess that's just something that we really don't like to talk about at such a young age. And I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because we seem very invincible, maybe. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. I think it's an education piece as well. I think it's always been left to the family center. It's not something that's necessarily taught in in our schools, although it probably should be. And just a basic finance 101. Uh, I know when I was in high school, which was a long time ago, I did get that. But it was, how do you write a check? How do you balance a checkbook? Things like that, which are, it just didn't go far enough as into creating those habits that we need as far as savings. And then, like you said, the power of compounding is phenomenal. So when if you start young, it doesn't take as much money. You can do that $5 a week because it's going to build up over time. But if you wait until you're 40s or 50s, it's going to take a lot more money because now you don't have as much time. So you've got to throw a lot of money into it to even try to gain ground to be where you need to be in any retirement or saving situation. And so it's really important. I do think it's a, a little bit of invincible. I'm a kid. I know everything kind of thing. The older we get, the more we realize we don't know everything. <laughs> we start getting wiser. You're absolutely right. And I'll tell you, with as I have celebrated birthdays, my ideas of what I want to invest in have changed. Is that pretty typical? It is typical. I think it's a natural thing. When we're young, um, we're aggressive. We're ready to go get it. And losing a little bit, you know, if we lose a little bit, I got time, right? Because you still have time on your side. And the older we get, the less we're willing to take as much risk because we know what it takes to earn that money, how challenging a career can be. You're, you've been in a career for maybe 10, 15, 20 years. And you know what it takes to get to the level that you're at and all the things that went into that, all the prices that you paid along the way um, to get there. And so how do we make that move? So we would start with investing early, even just a little bit, and then increasing that as time goes on theoretically. And so defining retirement is what retirement would look like for me is pretty important because that would change or that would influence how what my portfolio would look like. So the first thing I would tell anybody to do is define what you think you want your retirement to look like. And that doesn't mean it doesn't change. Life changes every day. But we reevaluate what that looks like, at least at minimum on an annual basis. The older we get, we look at it maybe a little more frequently. We start looking at it a little closer. In your 20s, it can be a pretty broad definition of what I want retirement to be. But when I get into my 
and then into my 60s, I need to start narrowing that down a lot closer. What exactly is, what will it look like and plan for that? What do I want my income to be in retirement? So just as an example, maybe you're making $100,000 in your career working. Are you going to need that same $100,000 in retirement? Or are you going to have some of those debt things that we pay for along the way? Your home paid off, your car is paid off. So it doesn't take as much income because you've got that paid off. But if you're a person that wants to go travel the world, you might still need that 100000 just so you can fund what you want to do in retirement. So it's not that we're getting rid of income necessarily. It, we're shifting how it's being used in our retirement years. We need to plan for those things that come up. As we age, we don't get healthier, typically. We start having different issues. So we need to make sure we have a plan for that. Do you want to leave a legacy for your family or do you have a business that is the legacy that you're going to leave to someone? Have we made plans for how that's going to be taken care of? If we have multiple children in a family, is one of them taking the business? What are we doing for the other children to keep it fair for all those kids? Because we don't want it as an aging person myself. I don't ever want to feel like I'm leaving out one family member in favor of another, so to speak. So we, those are all the things that we need to plan for. But we start with defining. Define what retirement looks like. How much of that income do we think we're going to need? And, where, and then where are the sources of our income? And we know that Social Security can be a source. If maybe you had a 401k or an IRA that's a source of income. What other sources do you have real estate? Have you done real estate investing? You know, those types of things are all of our income sources. Even a home can be an income source, depending on if you're going to stay. Are you in your forever home in retirement or are you planning to move or downsize? Those are just different things that we all consider. And then we look at tax implications as well. Are, do we have pre-tax dollars that are going to be coming out like in a 401k? It's taxable when we take it. Or do we have after-tax dollars? And what's that mix look like? Because that affects our spending power. Just because I have $100,000 in a 401k and it's all pre-tax dollars, you know, at the 30% tax bracket, now I've got 70000 coming to me, right? So we have to consider that in the long run. And that's what financial planners and advisors help people do take all those factors into consideration uh, as we devise plans for them to move forward. Yeah, it's interesting The you always have, I've always thought like you have to assume that as your earning potential keeps going up and as the investments mature and really for the most part have a really good rate of return, you're really going to build up that wealth. And so you always want to use, I don't know, I'm, I always like to use post-tax money so that way I'm paying it now theoretically, when I'm not earning right. as much than 30, 40 years from now, when my earning potential has theoretically, hopefully reached its peak and then really kind of kind of maybe plateaued or keeps going up. Who knows? But that's always a thought process, at least for me. I think that's true of most people. I mean, the pre-tax 401ks, all that came into play in the 80s when, like now, inflation was even higher than it is right now. Interest rates were high. And so people were looking for ways to help reduce uh, the tax, their tax liabilities because taxes were high at that point. Also, right now we're in a pretty historically low tax, federal tax scenario. Um, but what is it going to do in the future? 
So I think right. that's where people are starting to shift and see that, hey, I can't just keep doing everything pre-tax now because like you said, your earning potential is actually peaks at about retirement. And then a couple of years into retirement, you probably still have some pretty good earnings that are coming in before it starts dropping back off. So if you pay taxes now, because most people are of the idea that tax federal taxes will increase over time. And if you're in a state that also has state income tax, then you have to take that into consideration as well. Now here in Texas, we don't have state income tax. So that's a plus for us. But federal taxes can be a big hit on on income, especially in retirement. So you want to take that into consideration as you're doing your planning. And now there has been some recent changes. We're still waiting on some direction, but Most large companies that are able to offer 401k traditional and Roth options. So your Roth option is an after after tax option that most people are trying to take advantage of now. But they're also allowing that in smaller companies and for self-employed, like a lot of physicians are considered self-employed. So now they have options to do that as well. They can have traditional simple plans or SEP plans, self-employment plans, and Roth are being offered in that category as well. So it allows them to save more on an after-tax basis and not just pre-tax. I think that's why that's so important is because trying to get away from that mentality of just putting money in the bank, right? Because the banks are only going to insure each account up to 100000 So if you're wanting, if you're going to put that in to me, that makes no sense, particularly when it is only a fraction of interest compared to what a, a portfolio could do for you. Right, right. And if, if your portfolio should be something that I think most of us, when say, take a 401k, for example, you contribute with your company and it just is coming directly out of your paycheck. So you don't even know that it's, it's missing. You don't even see it, right? Most people don't even look at balances on that 401k. Uh, Maybe once a year, they're looking to, oh, okay, it, it grew or whatever. But when you're investing with, with a planner or, or an advisor, then they're looking at that for you a lot more frequently and able to make changes. So if we're invested in something that's not performing well, then we want to maybe get out of that and shift it into something that is looking a little bit. So we make those changes along the way to keep it performing. And it can, to be honest, in times like these, when the stock market has been up and down and all over the place, is when a lot of investors want to get out. And it's really the perfect time to stay in because who doesn't like to go shop a sale? If you think about your favorite department store, you want to go there when everything's on sale, right? When they're having that big sale of the year. Well, that's what the stock market is doing right now. Right. So pick and choose the things that you like that are on sale. Get in because it, you can get more. You get more when it's on sale. I love that analogy. I love that analogy because it puts a perspective and that's exactly what we're doing. We're picking eggs to put in our basket to come to fruition in the future. We want to pick those good eggs on sale. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, that just, that makes me happy. That warms my heart. <laughs> I, I love talking about this because I find that this is something that's so important. We as physicians, I'm, I'm employed and I choose to be employed. Either way, we have to pay ourselves first. And the things that you just mentioned, 
those are new to self-employed individuals, correct? Because those have not always been options in the past. The self-employment plan has been an option, but it's always been a pre-tax option. So you could, and it does allow the self-employed. It's really for those with small practices, I would say maybe only themselves with maybe one or two employees considered. And usually they're pretty close and feel like family because when you do a self-employment plan, whatever you contribute for yourself, you have to do the same percentage for your employees. So we don't want to do that if you're in a a 100-person practice necessarily. That's when we look at other avenues for doing that, 401ks and simple IRAs, those types of things. Uh, But if you're in a small practice, the setup is a great option option for you um, to do. And there is a, a Roth option now as well. Like I said, we're just waiting on sort of further direction a little bit from the federal government. They put it in place and didn't tell us how to implement them. So, which is about par for the fourth, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. I think it's a great thing that it's coming and giving people those options to save more for themselves. Yeah. Because small businesses really get pummeled by taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I was going to say, too, like physicians. I, so I always tell any entrepreneur, uh, whether you're a physician or in some other um, industry, you're taking your risk in your business. So when you think about investing, I know that that's something that you know and you're comfortable with. But push yourself to look at other industries because you've got a lot of risk in what you're doing already. So let's shift some of that into something else. Not that healthcare, certainly healthcare is not going anywhere, right? It's a, our population is aging, right? It's going to continue to grow, right? It's going to be there. If we can, my personal opinion only, if we can keep the federal government out of our healthcare to some degree, again, that's my opinion. I think most would agree with you. We would be better off. I just feel the private market does a much better job managing. And individuals have the, should have the opportunity to make their own decisions with their doctor and without someone else in between. But again, just spread out your risk. Don't stay in just healthcare when you think about where you're putting your money because you already have a lot of money in your, in your. So if you're looking outside of your practice for investing, let's look at some other industries to help spread that risk out. I think that's, that comes back to the idea of diversification. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Absolutely. Uh, you have to handle all that with care, even though healthcare and AI and tech is, that's all tied together. There are other ways to invest in other areas and still be, I think, relatively competitive and yet kind of middle of the road risk for maybe somebody that's my age, 41. Yeah, and absolutely. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people are into invest, uh, real estate investing, uh, which is, I think, Anytime you own property, I like real estate investing, but I also tell my realtor, let's spread out your basket a little bit and not do everything in one category. So let's spread out that risk. Let's, those people need to be in healthcare, some options in healthcare and technology, even utilities. Those are some of the things that are going to be here on the long haul and some are less seasonal and some are less risky as far as what risks are involved with them. So what is one of the biggest pitfalls that you would advise investors to stray away from? Or what is the biggest pitfall that you see that 
clients make? It's really kind of more in some age brackets. I'll, let me put it that way. So like my older clients, uh, you mentioned a while ago, FDIC insurance. So that's the banks, the bank's insurance. I think people, my older clients get caught up with that FDIC insurance in it because that's their safety. That's what makes them feel safe. But we see with what's going on with banks, it's not necessarily the safe factor all the time. So maybe that is the pitfall pitfall in itself in that we don't investigate who we're doing business with. Now, I know when I go to a doctor, I look them up. I do a little research because I want to know that they've been around, that they're going to be around because I don't want to change doctors every two months, right? I think it's the same way with the people that you do investing with. Like, so our banks, certainly a place to do business. And we all have a bank, most generally, because we're doing direct deposits for our checks and pay bills and those types of things. But we tend to get a little bit uneasy when we're doing business with, say, an insurance company. But it's just as important, or an investment company, it's just as important to do your research on those companies and how, because they have credit rating companies. Agencies also, Moody's, Fitch, those are credit rating companies for companies in nations. So you want to know that you're doing business with a good investment company that's been around, that's going to be around, that has the ability to pay their claims. And that whether that be your homeowner's insurance, your car insurance, maybe it's an annuity, your life insurance, you want to know that they're going to be around to pay the claim. And then they're not going to create excuses to not pay the claim. So I think that's probably the biggest pitfall is that people, they hear a name and it's like, oh, I don't want to do business with them, even though they may not know anything about them. So don't be afraid to do some due diligence um, and learn about the companies that you are considering doing business with and the people. I tell that about even myself. You know, you can look me up on broker check and you can see what my history is, how long I've been in the business, if I have any complaints against me. So you can do that with your investment advisors, whoever you're working with, look them up and know what's going on with them so that you feel comfortable in making those decisions. Because I think we all hold, especially in the heartland for sure, I can't speak for other parts of the country, but I think we all hold our finances very close to our chest, regard it, and we don't want to talk to other people about how much we make and how we're spending our money when an advisor or a planner like myself, that's our job. So we're going to push you a little bit. You've got to let us, we're just like, I call us financial doctors. So if you don't tell your health doctor everything that's going on, they can't make a good diagnosis, right? It's the same with us. If you don't tell us everything you got going on, we can't make it a diagnosis or suggestions into solutions, right? Because we have all the facts. No, that's beautifully said, and I think that's exactly exactly accurate. So, thank you very much for that. And just to reiterate to the listener, this is not going to solve burnout necessarily. If you go back and you define what retirement looks like, if you want to retire from medicine early, and for whatever reason that is, or if you want to reduce, we really have to plan for that. And we really have to plan for a shift of career or of life. I mean, it's always best if we can plan because life happens, but it would also help with that anxiety that, oh my gosh, I'm going to jump into the unknown. And so it just really gives us that trajectory. And 
just reiterating the importance of paying ourselves first. That's just reality. Absolutely. I would say as far as helping alleviate burnout, I think anytime you have a plan, it allows you that opportunity to take a step back. You get that deep breath that goes with it. And then once you put that plan in place, it allows you to move ahead with your other strategies. So you take care of this one thing. It's like, okay, great. That's one thing off my plate today, right? So now I can move on with a clearer head because now I don't have multiple things jumbled up in my head, distracting me from what I need to do. So now I can go focus on my patients or the next thing, how I want to grow my business or how I'm trying to, uh, whatever it may be, whatever your plan is for your business or your patients or whatever is in there. Take control of what you can. Realize there are some things that you're not going to have control of and, and let those go or rely on the next expert to help you with it. Um, because I think we all rely on those people. As physicians, you rely on your nursing staff and your reception staff and everybody to keep your business going as smoothly as possible. And life does happen. So we always have plans in place uh, to take care of that. Cynthia, thank you very much for your time. And if the listener wanted to get a hold of you, how could they do that? My phone number I'm happy to give you is 8206-1992. That's probably the best way. That's my cell phone. And I give that to all my clients. You're welcome to give me a call. And I don't screen calls. So we just answer the phone and uh, see what happens. That's that's great. It's also, it's also how you build relationships and that mm-hmm. human connection. Yep. And would, that, would it be okay if they reached out to you on LinkedIn? Yes, I am on LinkedIn, uh, Cynthia Price. On LinkedIn, you can reach me there. I'm also on Facebook. It's Cindy Price on Facebook. Great. And those links will be in the show notes. And again, thank you very much for your time. And are there any last words of wisdom? Um, Just start saving. Make it a habit. Do it every week, every month, whatever your time period is. Create the plan and stick with your plan and then reevaluate and adjust. We do it every day. Amen to that. If you have found this helpful like, share with a friend, click on the link in the show notes, because I think there are some great learning points. Combating burnout, we can all use some camaraderie.